This is episode 606 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles, Concern with our Power Grid Part 1 and Effects of a Prolonged Power Grid Failure. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the Prepper Website Bundle, where you get access to an exclusive email group that allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You also get two ebooks, a family emergency worksheet, a video, and two audio files. This is a great deal, and you can get more information by clicking the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 606. This is going to be a great episode, so I'm glad that you are here tuned in. Hey, before we get to the articles of this episode, I want to read a couple of things. First of all, we have a review on iTunes from Lena29. She gave a five-star review. She says, always learning something new every podcast. For the first time ever, I actually have a get-home backpack in my car, just trying to slowly get more organized and prepared for any emergency. Thanks so much, Lena, for leaving that review. Greatly appreciate it. And I'm glad you are getting prepared. This is what it's all about. And so you have that get-home backpack. There's so many other things that you can do as well. I hope that listening to this episode will help you as well. And guys, I just really do appreciate it anytime someone goes and leaves an, a review anywhere that you are listening to this, right? So I know we're on a bunch of different podcast networks. And so we greatly appreciate it when you do that. And if you're listening to us on a podcast network and you are not subscribed, make sure you subscribe to us so you always get the latest episode. Hey, I have one more thing that I want to discuss before we get to the episode. You know, last episode, we talked a little bit about getting family on board. And Teresa left a message over on episode 605. And this is what she said. She said, this was already a very helpful episode. I'd bought several different types of dehydrated meals to test with my husband for our bobs and car supply. After hearing the recommendation to try to get the family on board by mentioning more likely possibilities, I came home and said, Honey, remember when you had that performance in that little town and we didn't have anything for dinner? We had to drive along the mountain road to get a pizza finally, and it was expensive and also nasty tasting. Well, if we had a couple of dehydrated meals with us, we could have just added water and been able to eat. He really liked that idea and is willing to try some of the meals I bought. Of course, the ones he likes, I will buy a case. Some for our bobs and some for the home front bugging situation. Thanks again. Teresa, I'm so glad that that helped out and a great idea there to use something that your husband was familiar with. You know, that was a past experience and you're able to bring that in to help get your family a little bit better prepared, even if it is for, you know, going out and being in a situation. I mean, that wasn't necessarily an emergency situation, but it saved you a lot of time or it would save you a lot of time and, you know, a lot of money as well, spending it in gas and driving around and then eating a nasty pizza that was inexpensive or very expensive. So uh, great idea there. And I hope guys that there are some ideas that you are thinking about that you can help your family when you just pull in things that you normally 
normally do all the time, right? Just examples that you can do. And so it was great to it was great to hear this from Teresa. And uh, I know that you have uh, other experiences as well. You can come to episode six hundred and five and drop a comment there, or at you know at any time you can send me an email as well. And I'd love to hear how you know you were getting prepared, and then how you know the episodes and the podcast and the websites helping you. So uh, thanks so much again for that comment, Teresa. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from cribsteward.com. This is the first time I'm reading an uh, an article from Crib Steward. It's actually a new website by one of my good friends, Chip, and he is writing great articles over there. And uh, this one is on, you know, the grid down. And just lately, if you've been paying attention to the news and what's been going on in California because of fires and different things, and I don't even really, I didn't really even look into all the reasons why they were doing it. But the utility company was shutting down power. And it was one of those things that I'm like, wow, you know, this is the time where you want to be prepared is because they're shutting down power and they're really not giving you a time frame of what or when it's going to come back up. And it has something to do with the wind and the fire and all that different kinds of stuff. But here's the deal is like you've paid your utility bills, you've paid your taxes, you've done all that kind of stuff. And here you're going to have to go without electricity. And it's for no reason, really. I mean, there was no natural disaster. There's no EMP. There's no terroristic threat. There's no anything like that. And you're going without power. So one of my good friends, Tess Pennington, who runs ReadyNutrition.com, and I've read her articles before on the podcast, she lives in Northern California and she was going through this. And so I was reading some of her accounts on Facebook about you know, how she was dealing with it and how her family was dealing with it. I think they went two days before they got the power restored, but they were concerned about the food that they had in their in their refrigerator and in their freezer, and they were able to save it by going into a deep freeze. But there are some accounts that don't wind up so good, right? My dad was telling me about uh, a man who lost his life because of his uh, the machine, the respiration respirator machine that he was on, you know, it stopped working. And then I think his wife panicked when that happened and they weren't able to get, you know, the, the extra oxygen bottle on in time and he wound up dying. And so that's that should never happen. That's why we prepare, you know. That's why we have these backups and, and backups on backups. And, uh, you know, there's ways to get around it. So anyway, you have these things going on, and this is one of those things that is a concern. So I love what uh, Chip did here in his article. A lot of great stuff. I think by the end, I'm going to read two articles here. By the end of it, you might start thinking, man, if I'm not prepared, if you're not prepared, you might start thinking, man, I need to get prepared here. And uh, this is something that could be a very big possibility. So let's go ahead and start reading again. I'm going to read two articles. The first one is Concerns with Our Power Grid, Part 1. There are a lot of things to be concerned about when it comes to being prepared. There are the large-scale events like natural disasters, economic and social instability, epidemics, pandemics, war, terrorists, and then there are smaller, more personal ones like job loss and medical issues. But to me, the biggest issue concerns our power grid. We are dependent on electricity and the computer systems that use it for every facet of our lives. Manufacturing, food production, water, sanitation, and medical facilities all really heavily or all rely heavily on electricity. Now, if the flow of electricity was disrupted for an extended period of time, the world as we know it would come crashing down. 
Not many people have the skills, knowledge, supplies, and equipment to weather the effects of a long-term power outage, so the risk is huge. This is part one of two posts on the power grid where I will talk about reliability and threats. Part two will dive into the effects of a long-term power outage and how to be prepared for them. So let's talk about reliability. Age, maintenance, and the design of our power grid presents problems that our nation needs to resolve. There seems to be a lot of studies and assessments that the government does, but minimal action has been taken. Part of the issue is cost, but there is also a divide for who should be responsible, the government or utility companies. Ultimately, businesses and citizens will end up paying either through an increase in utility rates or taxes and possibly both. The grid is aging. The average age of the large transformers is 40 years and aging transformers are subject to increased risk of failure. It is costing more and more each year in maintenance to keep the grid up and running. Now we have three grids in the U.S., one that serves the states east of the Rocky Mountains, one that serves the West Coast, and one that serves most of Texas. A catastrophic event could cause cascading blackouts within these three grids and possibly cause issues with the other two grids. The grids were based on designs from decades ago and newer ways of decentralizing the grid have yet to be implemented. So high voltage or HV transformers enable electricity to travel long distance to thousands of substations where smaller transformers reduce the voltage for commercial and public use. These HV transformers are the weak link in the system. The Federal Emergency Regulatory Commission says that 30 of these are considered as being critical. The simultaneous loss of nine of these could lead to a cascading failure that could result in a coast-to-coast -coast blackout. If they are damaged beyond repair, it could take 12 to 24 months for new ones to be built and shipped within the U.S., Currently, only Germany and South Korea manufacture these large transformers for export, and it could take three years to get one of them. So threats to the power grid. There are several threats to our power grid, but you won't see a lot in the mainstream media. Why? Good question. Are they afraid of creating panic? Do they think it is not a big deal or it's just not part of their agenda? Whatever the reason, it is a disservice to the country to not motivate people to prepare and to push the government and utility companies to harden the grid. The threat to our power grid includes conventional weapons. Now certainly, if we were attacked by another company, the power grid would be a high-value target with conventional or nuclear bombs. Most of us are not too concerned about this because, hey, we are the most powerful country on the planet who would attack us on our own soil. A conventional weapons like explosives or rifles could be used to destroy transformers, power lines, or even substations. In 2013, domestic terrorists fired over 100 rounds into a central California substation. A blackout was averted, but it took almost a month to repair the damage. What would happen if a coordinated attack was implemented on multiple substations? So what about natural disasters? Although this applies mostly to coastal communities, natural disasters like hurricanes cause a lot of damage to our power grid. A lot of these occurrences are somewhat minor, but increasingly more damage is being done. More people are being affected, and it is taking a lot of time to restore power to individuals and businesses. With Hurricane Katrina, only 75% of Louisiana residents had power after 23 days. It took Florida and Texas almost three weeks to restore power to 95% of customers after Wilma and Ike, 
and it took 13 days to restore power to 95% of customers from Superstorm Sandy. A couple of days without power doesn't seem too bad, but three to four weeks? Can you imagine? So what about cyber attacks? This one is very disturbing to me. Attempts to hack into our power grid are happening every day. In March of 2019, the first reported attack in the U.S. disrupted operations in the Western power grid with a denial of service attack. It did not cause a blackout or any disruption in service though, just the supervisory control monitoring that is used remotely. I think these attacks are really just trial runs and determining what the hackers can do to our grid. Then there's electromagnetic pulse or EMP and coronal mass ejection or CME. I'm not going to go into details on EMPs or CMEs except to say that they could cause a massive amount of damage to our grid that would take years to recover, if at all. If you want to learn more about EMPs and CMEs, there is a ton of information on the web, but a very good resource is a recent article by Matthew Weiss and Martin Weiss called An Assessment to Threats on the American Power Grid. It was an excellent source of information of this for this article. And guys, there's a link to it here in uh, this article that you can go to if you're interested in learning more about EMPs. So in conclusion, as you can see, there are several issues with our power grid that should cause concern for all of us. Are you prepared for the grid being down for a week, a month, or longer? Do you have the equipment and supplies to sustain your family if this happens? This is something to be concerned about, so I strongly encourage you to research more and start prepping. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and end it there. There's one more paragraph that talks about part two, but I'm going to go ahead and jump to part two, which is called Effects of a Prolonged Power Grid Failure. So this takes up or picks up where part one left off. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one. We are so used to electricity constantly being fed to our homes and businesses that it is hard to imagine what life would be like if the power grid was down for an extended period of time. We have also become so dependent on electricity to power our everyday lives that most people have no idea how to deal with the effects of a prolonged power grid failure. So part one of this series talked about concerns and threats to our power grid. I originally thought that the series would be just two posts, but now I see that three or maybe even four are necessary to get the point across. This post will continue with painting a picture of what the effects of a prolonged power outage looks like, and the third post will outline how to prepare for a long-term power outage. So 72 hours is not enough. The NAIC report. The government has been telling us for years that we need to have a 72-hour kit to be prepared for disasters, but that suggestion is changing. They have seen what happened with Katrina, Superstorm Sandy, the Western wildfires, and the recent hurricanes that have hit our country. They are continuing to assess the threats, and they realize that they cannot rescue everyone in three days. In December 2018, the Department of Homeland Security issued a report called Surviving a Catastrophic Power Outage. This was a years-long study by the National Infrastructure Advisory Council that was tasked to evaluate the nation's ability to respond to and recover from a catastrophic grid failure. Some main points of the study are, if a catastrophic event happened, it could be weeks or months before power is restored, 72 hours is not enough, and that the new standard should be two weeks. It also says that the federal government should not be considered the main support organization for disasters. This should be handled by the state and local governments and that individuals need to take responsibility for their own lives by being prepared. 
All right, guys, so before I move forward with the rest of this article, I want to go back up to it because this is a government agency saying this. This isn't, you know, some wackadoodle person writing up a report. This isn't, you know, this is the government. And so they're saying, hey, we can't come to you. We can't, we can't, don't count on us for being there in three weeks, in three days, right? You need to prepare for two weeks. And so many people think two, okay, the government's saying two weeks. We got to prepare for even longer than that because that's just a, you know, pie in the sky estimation that they're thinking about. So they did a, a very long study on this. And I think it's kind of curious that they did a study on a catastrophic grid failure. Apparently, this is something that they're concerned about. This is something that could possibly come up. And so again, this is why we get prepared. And this is why we have preparedness supplies. And we think through these things. And you know, we don't fear because of it. We get better prepared. All right, so let's go ahead and continue on with this article. The next section is what would a prolonged power grid failure look like? The timing of the effects described below may not happen in the exact order that they are written. Many factors could affect what happens when, but the timeline depicted is fairly realistic. The first week. If the power is out for a few days, most people, except the elderly or those with medical needs, can deal with it. It is an inconvenience and irritation. You have enough gas in your car to get to the store to buy ice to keep perishables from spoiling and fill up your gas tank. You can get to the pharmacy and grocery for immediate needs and you probably have enough batteries and flashlights to deal with the dark for a few nights. Of course, you can go do these things if the stores have adequate backup power generators and people are not acting like it's Black Friday, a Black Friday sale at Walmart. If it's hot, you can open the windows and deal with some heat. And if it's cold, you can layer your clothes and use extra blankets to keep warm. You will be okay without having TV. And when your phone is out of juice, you can get by without social media. You can break out the playing cards and board games and basically do some glamping for a bit. It is likely you have enough non-perishable foods in your pantry. And if you keep the refrigerator closed as much as possible, you can easily feed your family for a few days by cooking on your grill or a camping stove if you have one. If not, hopefully you have enough canned goods to get by with cold meals. The water is still flowing from the tap at this point and is good enough to drink. You probably have basic first aid supplies and enough prescription meds to last throughout the outage. So you are not going to starve or become dehydrated and you can handle minor medical situations. So what about after the first week? So for a few days, maybe a week, you will be okay. But after a week or two, it becomes serious and even desperate. It is going to be hard to find a gas station that has electricity. And if you do, there will be long lines and possibly rationing. It is doubtful there will be any ice and any of the snack foods are long gone. If you can find a grocery store or pharmacy that is still open, their supplies will be minimal. Most of these stores only have three to four days of inventory and get shipments a couple of times a week. If this is a regional grid down situation, deliveries will start to slow down if they happen at all. It is likely that after two weeks, nothing will be open for business. It is actually possible that after just a few days, the stores will be empty. And I'm, the, I'm just trying to stay a bit positive at this point. At this point, it's going to get hard to get more cash from the banks and more from any business that has goods for sale will be only accepting cash. So what about after a couple of weeks? So after a couple of weeks, your limited supply of batteries for your flashlights and radios have been used up and your candles are all but gone. 
You are fumbling around in the dark early in the evening. You now have to depend on word of mouth to find any news about government handouts, the status of repairs, and where civil unrest and crime are rising. It has been a while since you have a hot meal because the propane for your grill or camping stove ran out after a few days. Since you are out of fuel, you are not able to heat water for washing yourself, your dishes, or clothes. You didn't think about storing baby wipes. Without fuel, you can't boil water to purify it, and if you don't have the capacity to filter and purify water, your risk of waterborne illness goes way up. Your food is pretty much gone at this point, and even with government help, you are likely not getting the 2,000 plus calories you need every day. You are starting to lose weight and not at full strength and energy. After a few weeks, medical facilities and emergency services are running low on fuel for their generators. Emergency services are only responding to severe medical needs. The fire stations are only responding to large fires. And the police cannot deal with all of the crime and civil unrest that is flaring up. Now, you're at the point that you wished you had evacuated if you had a plan for somewhere to go and the money to pay for it. If you didn't evacuate and were not prepared, you are now dependent on the government and relief organizations to sustain your family. Of course, the relief organizations are not going to be delivering food and water to your door or even your street. You will have to walk or ride a bike to a distribution point a couple of times a week, and that will be just for the basics because you can only take what you can carry. Hopefully, you're in decent physical shape. So, at two to four weeks, things are pretty grim and you wished you had planned more, learned more, and purchased supplies and equipment to sustain and protect your family. So what about after a month? At some point, utility services are going to run out of fuel to filter and purify water and pump it up into the water towers. If you are on a public sewer system, the pumping stations will eventually stop moving sewage and it will start backing up into homes. There is a good chance that a lot of the elderly and infirmed will die after a month if they have not been evacuated out of the area or to a community shelter. If you are in a season of very high or low temperatures, even people that were healthy before the event are now weak and struggling and more people are starting to suffer, get sick, and die. Sanitation is a huge issue now, and since most people don't know how to maintain a sanitary environment, disease is spreading. People are using the bathroom in open public places, which is contaminating surface water and helping to spread disease. Crime has risen sharply, and when the sun goes down, you have a hard time sleeping due to fear for your safety. Good people that have never committed a crime will do anything to feed their hungry families. It is probable that martial law has been enacted and curfews established. It is possible that the government will think things will be safer if everyone gives up their guns, so some law-abiding citizens comply and the criminals don't. Crime gets worse. Life is starting to resemble how our ancestors lived in the 1800s, except they knew how to live without electricity. So in conclusion, the federal government is now saying that you need to be prepared for two weeks and take responsibility for your own survival. The picture I have tried to paint shows the consequences of not being prepared if the power is out for an extended period of time and how the government is not prepared to deal with a catastrophic power outage. I hope it hit home enough that you want to learn more and start to prepare. If you are up for more of an in-depth picture of an event of this type, I highly suggest that you read the book called One Second After by William Fortune. It will open your eyes to what the world would look like and how people will react. The third post in this series will cover ways to prepare for a long-term power outage. 
If you haven't already, please sign up for the newsletter so that you can be notified when it is published. By signing up, you will get a free PDF titled Overview of Disaster Preparedness and Emergency Planning. It's a good primer to get you thinking about preparedness. The newsletter sign up is on the right side of any page of our website. All right, great article, guys. And I am waiting for Chip to finish up article number three. Of course, it's going to be posted on Prepper website like so many other or like like part one and part two and so many other great articles are. But uh, you can also come over to his website. I'm going to link to his articles and uh, you can read it, click on the links and also sign up for his newsletter. And you'll know when he, uh, you know, when he prints and he releases uh, post number three on this. And even if he goes on to, to post number four, really well written. I know that he's researched it really well. And so uh, I'm really glad that he's done this uh, again, especially looking at what's going on in California, looking at the fact that there hasn't been a lot of updates to our grid. You know, they just do the, the, the basic patching. And so when you start to really think about it, a lot of people don't like to think about it, right? Because when you start to think about it, it's easy to start freaking out a little bit. And some of the descriptions that Chip wrote about here, it's very easy to start like, oh man, you know, that that could go there. And some people say that tempers would flare up even faster, you know, because I know that, you know, reading some of Tessa's posts, if I am remembering correctly, if it was her post or if it was someone else, just with one or two days worth, the people were a little frustrated. They were frustrated at the government, right? Or frustrated at the, the power company because they were doing it because of fire and wind and there was no wind at all. They were just without power. And so luckily they got their power restored, but other people are still feeling the pinch in California. There's wildfires going on and it is, you know, at the time of this recording, and that's a scary thing. Again, you know, they're they're paying attention to the utilities and and shutting it down because uh, that causes more of a tr- of trouble later on down the road, right? More more problems when the uh, the electrical lines and the utilities are turned on. But anyway, a great reminder for us to get prepared and to think long term. Now, here's the thing: you can't fully prepare for you know the EMP for the the grid going down forever, right? That, that is one of those things. You can't have enough food. You can't have enough water for five years, 10 years down the road. But you can prepare your family to weather a decent storm. And it doesn't, and when I say a decent storm, I'm talking about a preparedness storm, an emergency situation, the grid going down for a week, two weeks where there's nothing going coming in and out. You can easily prepare for that with just a little bit of planning and a little bit of thought a little bit of money, you can prepare for something like that. You just got to put it into work. You can't just be sitting back waiting for news that something is going to happen and then start at that point. You start now. Anything you do now for your preparedness is, is beneficial for the long term, for any you know anything that you go through, whether it might be a blizzard, maybe it's you know uh, hurricanes, you know whatever it, grid down, whatever is just so beneficial preparedness makes a whole lot of sense. So let's talk a little bit about how you can get prepared because I know Chip is going to talk about this in in part three, but let me just just put some things out there and you can kind of take it for what it's worth. And uh, if you have any other ideas, feel free to you know come over to episode 606. I have a link in the show notes and you can drop it in there and I'll read it on uh, you know uh, in the next episode. So let's just talk very briefly about this. If the power grid goes down, like Chip was talking about, for a couple of days, maybe a week, 
yeah, you can get by with that. Most people have enough, even if you're like, you get down to eating the hominy in your, in your, uh, in your pantry, right? You can, you can get through that. If you have a way to open up your, your canned goods and manually and stuff like that, there's ways to get around that kind of stuff. But let's talk a little bit about going past that, that first week, what you can do. Now, one of the things that I would like to have is power. I want to be able to have power to power up my my phones, to power up even the radio, to hear about what's going on, or uh, you know the my little handheld Baofeng. I want to be able to find out what's going on. I want to be able to charge up my lights, uh, my flashlights. Uh, I've recently bought a USB flashlight so I can recharge it from my USB, right? And so I that's one of the things that I would like to do. Um, there are like goal zero things that you can buy, you know, the, these packages that are already put together and you can, um, you know, uh, bust out the solar panel to charge it up. Now it doesn't charge it up. It's not like that quick charge that'll charge it up in one or two hours, like plugging it up into your, to your electrical outlet. But you can, you know, if you're thinking about it and if you're paying attention and you're being very purposeful, you can have power and uh, you just ration it, right? Like everything else you're, you're going to want to do. Um, recently, I did a review of the EcoFlow River, which is basically the same thing that um, that a Goal Zero is. Uh, I think it's a little bit better than a Goal Zero. Um, they recently came out with a Delta, which is a lot bigger. And uh, I just really like the, the, the setup there. And I like how when you plug it in, whatever you plug in, It'll, it tells you on the screen how many hours it can continue to go or how many times it can uh, charge up that, that one load that you loaded up. But you can also make your own. You know, recently Mick Rowland uh, of MickRowland.com has, has written a post on his own little battery setup, portable set, battery setup. So you can buy your own uh, battery, your own inverter, your own solar panels, get it all set up, and you can do it for a lot less than buying one of these systems that are already put together. And so you just got you have to have some technical understanding and do a little bit of research, but you can do it. And so, uh, you know, we've had Mick Rowland before on the on the podcast and uh, he homesteads and he has, you know, his his animals and he does all that stuff and he writes every once in a while and he he's an author out there. So uh, go check out his article. I'm going to definitely have it on Prepper website so you can go check it out. But anyway, you can make your own. So I really want to have power and i like to have little the the usb power packs i like having those ready to go and always charged up and so that's one thing that i can i can always use there are lights that you can connect to those power packs there are flashlights like i said that you can connect to those power packs and you can charge up your flashlights there are fans that you can connect to those power packs so let's say you have somebody who is uh, elderly and they're getting hot and they need to cool off and just opening the doors isn't enough. You need to put a fan on them and mist them every once in a while with a little spray of water or whatever. You can use this this power pack with a USB fan and, and help to cool them off. So I really like that idea. I even have uh, one of those headlamps that you can charge with USB. And uh, you know, so you can have your hands free. You're not holding a flashlight. So for me, power is a big deal. I wanna be able to have power for so many things and especially for lights, you know, when it's black. I don't know if you've ever experienced a blackout at night when you've been outside and it is dark. When you're so used to seeing, you know, people's porches, porch lights on, the street lights, 
you know, just, just lights from the environment that you don't realize how much that adds to the night. And then all of that goes down, man, it is one of those, it's a kind of a creepy thing. And I wrote an article about a situation that we experienced. Our substation had a fire not too long ago and uh, we experienced that, you know, it was so dark. And I just remember like, man, this is what it would be like if the grid went down for, for, for good. Right. And so I was even missing, like I said, that environmental light that you don't even realize, but it's there, you know, light that's just coming off of other things coming off of big signs, you know, from, from the street or whatever. And, uh, that just, it, it was, was a creepy thing. And I just remember going through my head and thinking, man, that this is, this is one of those things. And again, if you're in that kind of situation and you have a light, you're going to be able to see that light for a far, far away, right? Because um, it's so dark, any kind of light will show up, even if it's a, a little pin light. So anyway, I want I want power some way. I want to be able to power my things. The other thing is I'm going to want light. And so uh, I've talked a little bit about flashlights and that kind of stuff, but um, you might want to invest in some candles. And so the candles from the dollar store, the long uh, tapered, uh, it's not real, I'm sorry, not tapered candles, but uh, they, they come in the glass jar. They're emergency candles um, for a dollar. Those suckers last a long, long time. I did a little experiment with one of those because I just, I wanted to document how long it would last. So I, I woke up early in the morning and I lit one and I was coming and checking, I was checking the heat and I was also checking how much it had gone down every hour. And then I went to three hours and four hours and it got to the point where it, it was time to go to bed and I didn't want to leave the candle on and it hadn't gone down very much. And I was like, wow, this candle is a lot better than I thought. Cause I thought that the, you know, after all day of being on, right, waking up early in the morning, setting it, setting it on or turning it on. And then, uh, you know, waiting till like 1030 at night, I figured that I would have lost a lot of that candle and I didn't, I lost about an inch. So I think I never did the article on it. I never did the video on it, although I was taking video. But um, it just really surprised me how great those those candles worked. And so you can get those at the dollar store. Uh, and Dollar Tree, I think, has them. And uh, you can. I would just highly recommend them. You can get the same one on Amazon, but they're a little bit more expensive. And uh, if you go to my link, I'm going to link to an article uh, about Dollar Tree. You can order them and get them sent. So you can order... So if you go to Dollar Tree, they might not have, they might have maybe, I don't know, five, 10, but if you wanted to get a whole case, normally you can order a whole case and they ship it to the store for free shipping and you just go pick it up. And there's Dollar Trees all over the place. And so you can, you can go and, uh, you know, get 40. Can you imagine if you had 40 candles, $40, it cost you $40, maybe uh, a little bit more with whatever, you know, tax or whatever. And uh, man, they would last you a long, long time. So anyway, also remember that the glass didn't get that hot. So you could still kind of move it around. So anyway, I think that's one of those things that you would want to have. A blackout kit is would be good as well. Um, if you can have Christmas lights, sometimes they sell Christmas lights during the Christmas season that can plug into a USB, you can do that as well. Or sometimes they have those solar powered uh, Christmas lights. I know I bought, you know, after Christmas sale, you know, where where things are just, you know, 75% off and they're just trying to get rid of them. I found some Christmas lights that were solar powered and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this is a great deal. So it was like two or three bucks. And so I bought them and you just 
put them out in the sun, you charge them out, and then you're able to string these up. And, uh, you know, that works out. The the yard signs, or not the yard signs, but the the landscaping lights that you put out in your yard, right, that, that are solar powered, you can get some of those just for this purpose or put them out in your yard and bring them in if you were truly in a, you know, in a, in a grid down situation and you needed light. Sometimes using some kind of reflector with those lights and, you know, sometimes putting them in mason jars or whatever creates this reflection where it provides more light, putting it up against a mirror or something like that. So you can always do something, you know, along those lines. Now, I'm not even talking about food. I'm not even talking about water. We've talked a lot about that before in the past. You need to have a way to store water. I think that's the best thing. Um, The other thing is you need to have a way to uh, filter and purify water. That is one of those things that you really, truly need to have. You need to know how to use those things so that when you need it, it's ready to go. Um, Food. Again, uh, for the most part, a lot of people can get by with the food that they have in their pantry if you're not living every day going to the grocery store buying what you need. You can get by. So that's why we always recommend in the preparedness community, start by getting canned food and build up your pantry that way. Use these things on a rotation, right? Um, Build some menus around these things. I mean, you're using them. You're rotating first in, first out, all that kind of stuff. You know, I have a free... Uh, course that you can take. I have a link to it in the show notes on 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 food. If you in building up your food pantry, food storage. If you want to take that, I go through that in a little bit more detail. It's free; doesn't cost you anything. It's over at prepperwebsite.net. And so, uh, make sure that you you have some of that D- defense. Something for defense is going to be very important. You're going to want to be able to protect yourself, right? And so, you know, we'll just leave it there. And however you want to defend yourself, however you see fit, that's something that you're going to need to consider. The last thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to rally with your neighbors, the people that you live next to. You're going to want to talk with them. You're going to want to um, to make sure that, that they are good and everybody is in a situation where you can look out for each other. And you might have some neighbors that are kind of iffy or whatever. Um, you know, you need to know those people now. You need to get get together with those people now and, and know who you can, you can trust. But I think that if we were in a true grid down situation and things were starting to get crazy, people were starting to get desperate, you would want to depend on your your neighbors. And maybe that means setting up a neighborhood watch. I know that during hurricane, uh, the last big hurricane that we had, not Hurricane Harvey, I think it was Hurricane Ike, um, you know, my, my parents' neighborhood uh, is a gated community and they experienced people coming in and stealing generators when the, when the electricity was out. And so they started a little neighborhood watch and they, you know, they had a they had a table out there when the gate was open and they had, you know, men were out there with their rifles. And when people came in, they stopped them and they made sure that those people were that they lived here in, in the neighborhood or that they were visiting family. They had to know people's names and, and different things like that. And uh, they, they set up this neighborhood watch and your neighborhood might not be able to set up something like that as easily where you have one entrance in and out. But that is something that you can you can think about. Right. So maybe you set up at different entrances of the neighborhood and you kind of go from there. And uh, I think that would be something that you would want to talk about 
the, this thing with your neighbors. Some people are going to be, I mean, you're coming at it, right? Because you are already preparedness minded with this idea. Some people are not going to, they're going to think, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. Nothing's going to happen. The government's going to come and, and set things straight. And as soon as they start hearing things happening, man, they're going to come back to you and say, well, you know what? You were right. Let's go ahead and set this up for protection or whatever. And again, if you have power and you have the ability to have a radio or something along those lines where you're able to get information, they're going to want to come to you as well, you know, too. So you can have these, you know, these, these hourly meetings at the corner or hourly meetings or two hours, you know, or morning meetings at the, uh, at the park or whatever, where you're giving people information and you're able to rally around and, and different things like that. So um, again, it always goes back to being prepared. You know, you should have your gas tank at least halfway full all the time. And so you never want to run low. That's, an, that's another thing that you can do. The, I've talked about this before in the past is you can have an inverter and you can connect it to your, your car battery and you can power your refrigerator at least long enough for you to eat the food there. Keep it cool enough. You're not running it. 24 seven, but you're, you're, you're letting it run for a couple of hours, uh, you know, every so often so that you can keep the food in there cool so that you can eat it. So it doesn't go to waste. I mean, that would be the worst thing. Some people have their freezers full of food and you would lose hundreds and hundreds of dollars on, on that. And so you want to have ways to be able to save that because, you know, that's food that you can eat if it was a truly grid down situation. The last thing, and I know I said I was the other thing was going to be the last thing. Think it through a little bit. Just think it through what could happen, what you think it would look like if something like this would happen. And then think about what you need to do for your own preparedness. Everyone is in a different place. Everyone is at a different stage. Everyone has different needs. You know, if you have an elderly parent living with you, you have different needs. If you have young kids living with you, you have babies, infants, you have different needs. You need to be thinking about, hey, what would I do? How, what would this look like? Kind of just think it through a little bit, you know, war game it through your, your mind, you know, and, and just see where it would go. It, it could go dark. But you, you don't want it to go necessarily dark. You want to like you want to think about how I can better prepare my family. That's what you want to do. How can I mitigate the situations that we would encounter in a in a grid down situation if it was a two week grid down or if it was a four week grid down or God forbid if it was even longer than that? You know what kinds of things do I need to do now? There's so much that that we could talk about. You know here that uh, it would take you know weeks and weeks worth of, of episodes, but it all boils down to just being prepared and handling those basic things and being able to have those those things in place so when you need them, they are there. Not you know, not being reactive, but being able to put your plans in place when the time is necessary. You're able to just go right into preparedness mode and you're able to you know, mitigate the situations that you're going to find yourself in. So uh, guys, that is it. There's a lot there. If you have any ideas, come on over to episode 606. I have a link in the show notes and leave some ideas and I'll be happy to read those in the next episode to kind of help other people out. I know that I can just cover a little portion of it here, but some of you have some great ideas and maybe there's some specific things that you have done or you have experienced that we can share out, kind of like what Teresa did with this, uh, you know, preparing her family with this dehydrated meals, right? 
Maybe there's some specific things that you have done and you have experienced. If you're in California and you've experienced the, you know, the, the power outage, you know, come let me know uh, what kinds of things worked well, what didn't work well. And uh, we'd love to be able to share that. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all trying to get better prepared. So uh, I'd love for you to come over to episode 606 and drop me a comment in the comment section. I think this will be a really great help for a lot of people. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 606. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list. And I got to tell you, when you join the email list, you get a PDF of the 25 handpicked preparedness articles that everyone should read. This is something that I've recently done. There is a link in the show notes and you can go be a part of that as well as all the other things that I send to you uh, through the email. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.